everyone, and welcome to another amazing episode of The Joy of Being for busy working moms and women in business and beyond who are seeking to unplug from their worries and overwhelm to light up with insight and joy. I, your host, mom, and effortless lifestyle coach, Marina Pearson, talk to transformational professionals, business owners, and creatives about what it really takes to have a business and life you can truly enjoy. And remember, you can find me on Instagram at Marina Pearson or my Facebook group, The Joy of Being. And if you'd like a more personalized touch to live a stress-free life, then why not find out more about The Joy of Being Retreat, an intimate four-day profound experience at a luxury venue in Javier, Spain, where you get to experience your inner calm and peace of mind by slowing down and making space. To find out more, email me at marina, marinapearson.com with Joy of Being Retreat in the title. And on today's show, I have the beautiful Leanne Brooke Tyler. Leanne is a podcast host, coach, writer, and co-founder of the movement Primal Happiness. And despite the Chinese spelling of her name, she is as English as Mary Poppins. After working for many years as a leader in corporate world, Leanne's journey truly began the day she unexpectedly recovered from 50 years of chronic pain and anxiety. That transformation led her to immerse herself in discovering what creates pain and struggle, and conversely, what paves the way to a life jam-packed with meaning and happiness. Leanne lives in a 400-year-old English country cottage with her husband, two self-described wild children, and an array of ginger rescue animals. Leanne's dream is co-creating a world that has come alive and that we can pass down to the pride. She has also been working with the World Feminine and Women's Circles to help women reclaim back their image of queen. Now, I loved this conversation that Leanne and I had because it was really about discovering the different aspects that we might have buried so we all have expressions of ourselves we all love to express ourselves in different ways but often we've been told that those ways of expressing were bad or we weren't very good at them and so we've decided to bury them and in this conversation we've decided to not bury them at all and talk about what it really means to lead a soul-fed life and what it means to actually fully express yourself in all your different aspects and as she really focuses in on working in that way with her clients this was a really insightful conversation around that very thing so if there are areas of your life where you used to be like a singer or artist or things that that maybe you don't do now that you've put away you would love to explore them again or you may have beliefs around that you're not creative then this is going to be a great episode for you enjoy so I'm super excited to be here with you, Leanne. Um, gosh, it's been quite a while, actually, uh, but it's yeah. so exciting to have you on. So when we were discussing what we were going to talk about on this podcast, I'd seen a, a post of yours up on Facebook about leading a soul-led life, and I was really curious about that, you know, living from wisdom, whatever that might mean for you. So I thought that it was very much in the vein of the joy of being. And I, and I just thought, actually, why don't we do something around this? So welcome. How lovely to have you here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, what a gorgeously rich and juicy topic. I'm more than happy to talk about that with you. It's a gorgeous one. It really is. So starting off, Leanne, what does it mean to you? Because I guess anybody that's listening in may have their own version of it, but I'm curious as to what that actually, you know, when you're talking about a solvent life, what does that actually mean? Hmm. Yeah, what a great question to start with. So 
The answer I'm about to give you is probably very kind of of the moment. And I, it's, it's funny, actually, it, it feels quite meta, but it's, I think the more you are living from a place that feels soul led, <laughs> the more how you talk about that and what your life looks like and where you're coming from seems to change. And so I'm kind of noticing the humor of me trying to capture like, this is what it is. And then know that probably if you ask me the same question in six months, I may well say something really different, but I will still, I'll still go there. So for me, more and more, it's about us being able to understand who we uniquely are, kind of this beautiful mixture of kind of soul filtered through this medium of a, like a, an individual body with individual traits, individual skills, individual ways of kind of the energy flowing through us and being fully that, really embodying and expressing that in the world. and. I think my understanding of what that is for me is constantly changing. Hence kind of what that ends up looking like out there is constantly changing. And uh, I think the more we're deeping into that inquiry of who am I really kind of what, what would it look like if I was just really embodying expressing my meanness and my gifts and all of these things that I've brought to the world, including my wounds, including my shadows. And as I move through those and start to put them myself more and more out in the world, it's like I get to know myself more and more deeply as I'm doing so. Um, but for me, more and more, that's what it looks like to live a soul-led life. It's, it's in some ways the simplest thing you know, just being more me. And in another way, it's the deepest thing because it doesn't seem to be an end to discovering more and more and more. So how has it manifested in your life? Because I'm assuming that based on what you've said, um, this wasn't a way that you used to lead your life before as Mm. to where it is now. And so I'm curious about how it ma- has manif- how is it manifesting itself in your life? Like what are the things that are going on as opposed to how it used to be? Now, let me count the ways. Um, <laughs> there's so many ways and um, trying to think of the best starting point. So I think when I compare myself to, let's say five years ago, when I started out in this kind of line of work, change work, coaching, podcasting, all the rest of it, it's probably a a good comparison. And I think back then I, I saw things at a much kind of more shallow level where I was much more looking for the commonalities and the universals and the kind of what makes you and I the same, which is true too. There are lots, and I think there's that in itself is a really rich vein to understand ourselves more deeply is to understand the commonalities between us and others. And so probably five years ago, so much of what occupied my thoughts, my feelings, what I was putting out there was about kind of pointing out like these things are the same between us. These are the universals. More and more over the last few years and I'd say again it's kind of like I can say like even in the last year and then even in the last six months I can kind of see how that shown up like an even more expressed level I'm more now interested in what makes us different 
what are those unique gifts that we have, that, that unique medicine that we've been brought here on earth to give to others? And so in terms of kind of how that shows up for me, probably one way of, of looking at that would be how I work with my one-to-one clients where I want them to be able to see themselves in the most sort of distilled and pure and powerful way they possibly can so that they can be it, so that they can be that medicine that they were designed here on earth to be. Um, which is kind of, in some ways, I think it's hysterical really because it is night and day different to how I used to work with people. I mean, there's almost like there's very little, other than me being deeply present with people and seeing their goodness feeling real love for their beauty. Um, And then I guess in terms of my own inquiries, it's, I think back then, you know, five years ago, I was very, I was almost kind of, I look, I, I don't think I was conscious to this, but I think I was very much looking at how things could be made as simple as possible. And I now see that was actually me almost wanting to keep at this kind of quite shallow level where I never wanted to go beneath the idea that things work like this. And I think that served me at that point. You know, I, was, I had had a real transformation from 15 years of chronic pain and kind of, you know, like many people, lots of anxieties and insecurities. So seeing the simplicity really served me back then. And now it doesn't seem to be as relevant, doesn't seem to be as juicy, doesn't seem to make the sense that they used to. Hmm. I'm not sure I answered your question, but there's some, I'm hoping that kind of (laughs) did. So one thing I heard in that was you said you had chronic pain. And for someone that's listening in, most people I meet these days, especially mums, seem to be suffering from one ailment or another. And I'm curious about how leading a soul-fed life led life has actually helped you in terms of that pain? Because I'm assuming that, that, that you don't live with that really anymore, do you? No, not at all. Um, yeah, uh, it's, again, I think this is really interesting. And I notice how what's the kind of the balm or the solve for our life or for our soul can look so different at any one time. So going back then, Again, having lived for 15 years with it, it was for me chronic facial pain. And I'd had all sorts of, you name it, I'd tried it. (laughs) And I'd got to the point where I was just accepting it and living with it because I had tried what I thought was everything. And what freed me from that was, again, the simplicity. For me then, it was recognizing how I was creating this reality, how I was creating my experience, how I was creating my feelings. And it wasn't like I directly went there and thought, I'm creating my pain. It was almost my pain dropping away showed me that it was kind of reflected that it, that, that to me again. Um, so that was fairly instantaneous. It was kind of one week I made that uh, discovery, let's say, of how I was creating my, my reality. And then a week later, the pain went. And so that was like a very kind of swift. Um, it was a bit like that kind of joke about overnight success that takes, you know, 20 years. It was a bit similar. It, t- <laughs> it took me 15 years and one week to get rid of my chronic pain. Um, and then, and so that, 
that was a kind of very, again, like binary thing. It kind of went from having pain to not having pain. And then in the subsequent years, I feel the, it's funny again, like doing the comparison, like for me then I was so grateful to be free of the pain, so grateful. And then I I think if I could get an experience of being in my body then, and then kind of fast forwarding to being in my body now, what would that feel like? And I, you know, clearly I, I can't do that. So I don't know, but all I do know is I feel so comfortable in my skin these days. I feel like I'm so in my body. I love being able to, you know, use my senses, have this kind of just beautifully kind of sensual engagement of life, sensual engagement with my body that I just don't think was in my awareness at all five years ago. So yeah, it was amazing to be out of pain and to be healthy. And now I see there's a kind of another level of experience possible that I had no idea of those years ago. And so anybody that's listening in, you know, when we talk about living a self-fed life, they might be asking themselves, well, how do you live that way? Because it seems to me that living a self-led life is something that is kind of living from a place of ease, living from a place of less stress, living from a place of less anxiety, being able to really listen in more about what wisdom is asking of us and, and, and where we want to go and what we want to do, I call it, where does the energy want to go? So for anybody listening in that, that feels like, yeah, I'd love that. What was it for you? Cause I know that you've already shared that it was when you realized how you create your experience, but could you elaborate on that? Hmm. And I, I think funnily enough, I would say that I mean, this is what I'm about to say isn't right, just to say, because I think there's so many nuances here. But I would ironically say that when I had that shift um, those years ago, I don't feel there was much soul there, honestly. Mm. It probably felt a lot more soulful than the years prior. But I don't honestly know that it was particularly soulful. Um, I was much less caught up in anxious thoughts and negative thoughts than I had been in the years prior. So yeah, probably if you could, if this was something we could put on a scale, <laughs> I guess, I guess there was more spaciousness, more ability to listen to my intuition, more ability to be resting in the present moment. But it still feels like a quite a power comparison to what my experience is like today, which feels much more kind of full of soul. Um, so yeah, I just want to say that because I think it can sound like it kind of at that moment, it was like, bang, so <laughs> I'm now living from my soul. And it, it definitely didn't feel that way. It feels like this has been a, a real kind of journey of deepening into that place. Um, but to answer what I think your question is, um, honestly, first and foremost, I think it is very different for each of us. I think we all have this, not, I'm not necessarily going to say there's this kind of destiny led out, but I think there is a path that is uniquely ours and that, that will be there for us. And we can kind of, I love the way you just talked about kind of going where the energy flows. I think mo- a lot of the time, if we were able just to be in the moment and able to feel where that's pulling us, like that would be the path. Um, but it's that in itself is the question, how do we do that? Um, what I can do is share some of the ways that 
I work both with one-to-one clients, but also run women's circles. And some of the ways that I work with women there are ways to kind of get more in that place where we're able to hear this stuff that's not this noisy chatter that's constantly filling up most people's minds. And one really, really simple um, practice that I still do myself daily is just to have, and I really, I, I think, consciously create a container for this. Um, and I talk a lot about kind of masculine and feminine. So if this puts you off, ignore this, but it, it's, I'll probably lapse into talking about this this way. So when I'm talking about masculine, I mean the kind of intellectual, logical, kind of straight lines, time, that kind of thing. So using the masculine to create a container of time. And so there could be as, as little as 10 minutes a day. And for me, often that's just like, I have that as my minimum. If I've got longer, I'll do longer, but I'll kind of have that, like use my masculine to create a container of space and time for this practice. And then that allows the feminine, which is what I consider the kind of the formless, the energy, the flow, the color to fill in that container with whatever it wants to look like. And so that is going to sometimes just be random thoughts that come to me of like, oh, I was meant to ring that person and I forgot. Okay, that, that's now come to me. Sometimes I could end up spending you know, if I'm doing a 20 minute practice like this, I could spend 20 minutes contemplating something completely random that I hadn't even realized was, you know, there for me to contemplate, you know, beauty or something. Um, it could be some like deepening, um, I don't know, something that's been like pulling at my soul where it's, it's something that wants my attention. It could be a way of working. It could be, um, piece that I want to write. And the next thing I know, I'm sort of taken into this journey of, Oh, I'm really feeling this aspect. And this is calling to me. This, this is now clear to me that wasn't there to me before. And it's so simple. It's not meditation. It's not going in there with any real kind of idea of it's going to be this, but it's just allowing some space outside of the daily, like, you know, pick up my phone, read a book, do the dishes, some space to just be and see what comes up. And I think for most people, I'm going to say most women because it's mostly women I work with, but I would say, say it's absolutely true for men. For most people, it's so rare to give themselves that space. The closest people might get to it is, is, you know, people often say, you know, I have my best insights or ideas in the shower or out for a walk. That's the closest people will get to it for most people. Hmm. And I feel that like actually consciously creating a container, we completely switch off. You're not kind of, you know, if I'm out with my dog on a walk, yeah, I have a bit of that. But then also a lot of the time I'm noticing where my dog is. I'm noticing, is he running off with another dog? <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot more in my awareness than just allowing that space. So for me, there's something really, really simple, but really powerful about really consciously creating the space for what you could say, your soul to talk to you. Like it's um, a bit like giving time to have a conversation with that, that person, that, that part of you, I guess, Mm. Um, as you would do phoning somebody up anyway, in general. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like my, it's Snapchatting or FaceTime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something <laughs> funny. What I heard was "Beam me up, Scotty." You know, oh. what of it? What does it matter? Like, why? Why would you go to the effort to do this? In the sense of like, why wouldn't you just live your day to day? You know, what have you seen 
that that living the soul fed life that soul fed i keep on saying soul fed which is quite like that as well though actually i think that works too (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's because lunchtime's around the corner um like why would you consider it to be important to live from this place i think for me personally it's it's what gives life meaning it's what separates it from being just this stream of activities that could be anyone, could be anything even, um, could even be replaced by artificial intelligence. You know, if, if, the li- if your life is just made up of, you know, like take, for example, Monday, my life was um, get up, get the children ready for school. I then worked until 2.30, um, then had a meeting with a teacher because I'm a class rep and I represent the other parents. Then I went shopping and I came home, did dinner, homework, all the rest of it. And clearly the way I'm experiencing those things is very different to how I would have experienced it years ago. I'm much more present, much more open to the experience, much more kind of feeling all of the things that those experiences bring to me. And if that's what my day was made of, and I wasn't able, and you know, the practice I've just gave is just one of several practices that I do on a daily basis to connect to that soul place. But if I wasn't making the time to do that too, I think it wouldn't take long before it starts to become more and more shallow, more and more mundane, even with my full presence being brought to those moments. And yet, because I managed to find an hour in that day that was completely dedicated to my various embodiment practices, Mm -hmm. in that hour, I was able to get more fully in my body, more able to kind of be in my senses, more able to be in full presence, more able to be really open and also more able to hear ideas that then were used within my day. And that could be, um, I mean, one really, this is like a perfect example. I, during that, that practice, I had a huge insight about something that was related to my experience that weekend. I then had a coaching session with a woman that morning and it turned out to be that that kind of realization I had was absolutely like it could not have been more perfect for what was alive for her. It was and it was something that never occurred to me before. And as I spoke to her, it was so apt for that situation. Would that have come to me otherwise? I don't know. But I do know that it came to me specifically when I was in that practice. So for me, it's this kind of like inviting in this deeper, richer, juicier experience of life, which makes it all more meaningful. I love that. I, it's funny. Um, I call it calling it in. And, you know, it, it's not, an, it's not a conscious thing. Like I'll give you an example. I saw that one of our colleagues was doing, has decided to do a program for next year. I thought it was just a fleeting thought. I thought I'd love to be involved in that. Anyway, totally forgot about it. And then he emailed me today going, would you like to be involved in it? <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> but I can give you so many examples of where that's happened. Like the time I got, I got invited to go on national television and ITV this morning. That in a, I mean, that was just nuts. Like literally I'd sat down after a sleepless night, one another sleepless night with my son, Leo. And, you know, he was six months at the time. And I thought to myself as I was watching it, ah, oh, wouldn't it be fun to be on this program? 
<laughs> Literally, two months later, there I am. Oh, another sleepless night, I was knackered. But I was just, wow, like there is this intelligence that is there. And often we overcomplicate it, I think. Like we, we create these strategies and it's got to be this and the plan. And, and while that's all well and good, what I've got to see is that often the opportunities that have come my way have come completely out of the blue. Like I couldn't have not planned for that. But there was also somewhere in my consciousness, a desire, a wish that just was a fleeting thought, boom. And then the next thing I know it's happening more, more, more of the time. And maybe it's because I'm seeing it more of the time because I have more internal space than I used to, but this richer, deeper experience of life it can only get more deep. It can only get richer, which is really quite exciting. Mm, I think so. I think so. And again, that's where I've, I laugh because I think at various points over the years, I've had a sense of kind of, hmm, maybe this is it now. Maybe yeah. I kind of understand everything I need to know. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then something will drop. In my oh, I didn't have a clue. I've arrived. <laughs> and you know, Sort of talking about this kind of reminds me of this, I don't know, whether uncertainty was something that you really struggled with. It was for me. And what I found is, is for a lot of mums, it can be, you know, well, people in general, quite frankly, the uncertainty of the unknown, like not knowing. And it seems that now I welcome it in. It, like there's a there's a sense of I don't know what's going to happen next year, but I'm kind of excited by the fact that I don't know. Yeah, like yeah, me too. I think there's more and more I live from the place of whether it be a decision I'm making, a path I'm choosing, a way of being that feels important. I look at kind of whether that's going to create more possibility. And possibility in and of itself is uncertainty. It comes with risk. It mm. comes with, you know, possible um, things you're not going to like. And it's such a gorgeous place to live from, to mm. know how much, you know, that we can choose into more and more and more possibility. That to me is kind of, it's worth that uncertainty. It's worth that because, again, it's how we get to live just so much more fully. And kind of want to go back to something that you said that kind of has jumped out of me now. It's funny, like just kind of reflecting this idea that there's a path for all of us and it's, and it's our unique path. I remember sitting at a workshop years ago, sitting in massive insecurity about everything probably at the time, but mainly that comparing myself constantly to everybody and thinking that I was lagging behind whatever that means. And then this insight showed up, which was all around, you're only ever having an insight that's unique to you in that moment. So of course your path has to be unique. Mm. Nobody else is having the same insight in that same moment. And that will direct you as where you're going and what you're thinking and, and where you go to next. Um, so I'd love you if, if it's possible to talk a little bit more about that, what you've seen from your clients, like 
because I think there may be a lot of people listening in that are thinking, oh, but they're still, you know, they're comparing themselves. Like their path is better than my path. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want that path, but I can't have that path because I'm on my path. And my path sucks. Whatever. Mm. So that's a great question. And I think it really does get to get to how this stuff shows up on like an everyday basis. Cause it's, it's great. Me sitting here, who's someone who honestly, I, I love my life. I have a great life. I do feel mm. that it's full of soul. And so, yeah, it's great for me to sit here talking about this and it's easy to think like, well, yeah, you would feel like that when you've got that path. <laughs> and right. is, I think when we're truly, and again, we're kind of talking about it, a path like it's laid out, um, recognizing that is only met- metaphorical. But I think when we're in alignment with our soul, when we're really embodying and expressing ourselves at that deepest level, our path will, will feel like the most, like, oh, yeah, like, it, it, like I just sort of got that feeling of just total yumminess that it doesn't make sense to be looking at someone else's path because when we're really getting a sense of our own past, our own being, mm-hmm. there is nothing that feels more yummy. Um, so I think that's when we most feel our soul, which in itself is yummy. So I think like going back to your question, you know, when I'm, I guess the early days of when I'm working with one-to-one clients is where I think it's so obvious that like, well, it is obvious to me having kind of worked with a lot of people like this, it almost becomes this tangible sense where you can kind of really feel how much they're in their bodies, how much their soul is kind of out there kind of radiating into the world. And I also get this sense of, and I'm getting more and more, I get to trust this. I kind of, I used to be a lot more kind of in my head and a lot more kind of logical about this stuff and think like, oh, if I can't really understand it, maybe I'll take no notice. Whereas these days I'm much more open to those kind of nudges from intuition that say to me like, oh, you know, there's this about this person that doesn't seem to be being expressed right now. In fact, I'll give you a great example of this. It's, um, it's a client that I started working with a year ago and we'd had a few sessions and then she was on her way to have a kind of half day intensive here with me. And I messaged her and said something like, I'd really like to talk to you about your creativity. Um, and she wrote straight back and she said, I think you've got the wrong person. Like I'm not creative at all. And I was like, Hmm, no, I think, I think this is, you know, you kind of check in with yourself, like, was that off? No, no, it definitely wasn't off. No, we're going to talk about your creativity. Turned out she'd totally built an entire kind of story life about herself that she wasn't a creative person. Mm. During that session, turned out she trained for years as an, as an actor, fresh actor. And then a kind of like, which, you know, creative <laughs> much and then a completely dis- almost like disavowed and like concreted over that part of herself but it's a huge aspect of her I mean it's not just you know act as just a label just a way of kind of expressing this gorgeous um yeah I mean she literally has like creativity creativity just spilling out of her and like now a year on um you, you, it's just so obvious it's like she is now like starting to let that back that back in and I think that's what I really notice it's kind of I'm more and more I'm attuned to where people are 
embodying and expressing themselves and where they're not, where they've got this kind of aspect that's being held back. And I think, you know, if again, given her as an example, I think now where she's much more in alignment, much more kind of living this soul led and soul fed life. I don't know if she would be so inclined to look at other people's paths and say, I want that one. I think she'd be feeling so much the kind of, oh, yes, this is my path. But I think if we're looking at other people's, it's probably because we haven't, we're not yet in alignment with our own. Yeah, I love that. And, I, and, and, you know, it's so interesting, Leanne, because actually what kind of came up for me as you were talking was the sense of looking back to what we used to do as children. Mm. And there are clues there, aren't there? Like, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> even the birthing with this podcast, it was so interesting what happened. It was like... Um, it all came about, I mean, it's on, on one of the podcasts that I, I did a solo on, but to, to, to cut a long story short, I had a dream because I used to act as a child. And then um, I, um, I had a dream that I was picked to be a, a part in a um, Jack Black movie. And, um, Love and Jack from, Black. <laughs> from that, yeah, me too. And from that part, it was like there was this com- comedian side to me. Like if I look back to every single part I was ever given in the play, I was never given the main part, but I was always given the comedy role. Mm. And I'm like, where the hell did that go? Kind of, Mm. where did that goofy, kind of fun, joyful part of me disappear to? Because it literally, Mm. I couldn't see it. And so when the kind of the, the thinking about, you know, the, the title of the podcast, it was like the joy of being, yeah, of course. But this side, this aspect of ju- goofy, laughing, uh, playing about, somehow life got really serious. <laughs> and recently what's been wanting to emerge is my singing again. So I, was, I, I decided to join the choir at the beginning of this year. But the thing that I hear a lot of people and a lot of the mums that I kind of have been working with in the past is I just don't have the time. Mm. Or they're not even aware that that part of them is there anymore. Like my, my client, Michelle, when I first met her, she was coaching women to eat well. There was something in what she was saying. I was like, nah, that's not it. But now it's like, oh my God, like she's doing, she's an incredible artist. Oh, wow. Like she's amazing um and now she's doing uh commissioned pieces and doing a um writing a you know she's doing a illustrating a book and writing a book and and it's just amazing what can come out mm. like yeah. i just i'm just in awe of that you know of, of what's possible when we let it come out and we discover that actually that was a really useful aspect to us that somehow it got, as you said, I love that idea of putting concrete over it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Just to make absolutely sure. It it doesn't. Yeah, and and, and maybe st- stick in the ground where it says RIP. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that's a gorgeous story too. And I think it's, again, you know, going back to your question, which I think is a great one because I think, um, 
you know, have it, being a podcast host myself, I'm very conscious of the fact that sometimes we can talk about life in this kind of, you know, it's all gorgeous and it's all so lovely and it's all so simple, um, which is true. And it doesn't always seem that way and it doesn't always feel that way. And I think it's really good to ground this into kind of, if it's not looking that way for you right now, mm. what, what, how can you start to move in that direction? Mm. And not, I think it can get quite frustrating. Like it somehow it just happens that you just jump from here to here. Like what are the steps? How does that happen? I think it's a really important thing to talk about. Mm. So let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Were you, were you seeking some sort of permission there? No, of course. Come on. Let's do it. Um, well, I think, again, I don't think there's one way. I think there's so many different ways we can inquire in this direction. And I think ultimately they're all all inward. They're all kind of in the same direction. But I think, and I don't think there's necessarily a kind of, oh, this is the only way or this is the better way. I think just noticing when we're able to kind of turn inward in itself is is where the power is. Um, something that I found is really um, helpful when I'm working with people, which is something I learned uh, from a fellow coach, a, fr- a friend, Adam Quiney. He works from... Um, a way of I say a philosophy, a kind of philosophy on being called ontology, which is kind of distinguishing your unique essence, those part aspects of self that are uniquely you. And I love the way he talks about it. It's kind of like it's imagine you have this kind of light bulb that hangs above your head that has like a very certain color. And when you come into a room, everyone gets to experience that. But you yourself can never see it directly because of where it is. And um, so that's the way he talks about this kind of this nature of being, which, like you said, has been with us since we were a child. And often is when it was kind of like it was most shining brightly. It was before we started concreting over parts of it. And um, so he has a way of taking people through that exercise, um, which I also now use in my clients to sort of distinguish, like these are the aspects. These are like the bits of you that make up that experience, make up that light bulb with that very unique color. Um, And I find it's one of those funny things that seems simple and you kind of think like, how could it have such a profound effect on people? But it, I've seen over and over again, as we start to recognize how other people experience those aspects of ourselves, there is something incredible about that to notice like, oh, this part of me that, you know, it, it, I kind of always like envy that in other people. Um, and it turns out that's actually me. And it's something I can actually really choose to embody and express more. Um, I mean, that client, for example, that I just uh, talked about, one aspect of her being is creation, as it turned out, which is no surprise to me, but it was, again, for her, a surprise at that point even still. So I think just having this sense of, like, this is how other people experience ourselves. And again, that's just one way that I found is a really lovely way of sort of distinguishing that. There's many others. Um, but one way or another, finding ways for other people to hold that mirror up so you get to understand how you're being experienced, what other people are seeing in you. And, you know, which is one of the reasons coaching is so powerful, but it doesn't have to be coaching. It could be another thing, as I mentioned, I run women's circles. 
And I think that's another really powerful thing that isn't utilized much in today's life. You know, it's an absolutely ancient form of being with others, um, experiencing ourselves in different ways, allowing aspects of self to come forth that aren't welcome elsewhere. Um, So I think just noticing like this is something we can choose into. We can choose into having a deeper sense of ourselves. We can choose into having a deeper experience of life. Um, and again, most of it will be looking at how we can go inward and start to see and hear ourselves more deeply. Um, that's again, one, one way that I found really powerful. Um, something else I think is... <laughs> This, I'm just pausing whether this is a, a good thing to bring in at this point because this could take us on a whole other tangent. We might have to make it a part two, actually. Um, I'm going to drop it in, but uh, you tell me how much <laughs> how much you want to go in this direction. Um, another aspect that I find incredibly... struggling to find the word insightful maybe powerful um is looking at it through an archetypal lens so a lot of our work with primal happiness these days is looking at it from a kind of archetypal perspective and also looking at it from like a masculine feminine perspective and in my work with particularly in circles um, a lot of the time I'm bringing up the idea of using kind of mythic archetypes as a way of kind of bringing alive aspects of self that, again, are usually concreted over. We don't usually have a relationship to. And noticing um, the way it doesn't have to be a kind of full archetype, but even just aspects of certain archetypes, which, again, is an entirely different conversation. But, you know, it could be if we just pick one like the lover archetype. And the way that archetype has shown up in stories and myths and films and books, you know, throughout the ages. And whether that is an an archetype that resonates with us, whether there's parts of that that we've just shut away and felt that that's just not welcome. It's not okay for me. I mean, that's actually an archetype that is um, something that is quite natural for me to embody. And it's definitely over the years has become more welcome. There was many years, you know, particularly I worked for years in a corporate environment where me being kind of open and soft and warm and receptive was not welcome at all. I imagine. Not very far. And yet now it feels like, you know, one of the most, uh, again, going back to being comfortable with my skin, that feels like a very comfortable place to rest. Yeah, I love archetype work. And I think there's really something in that where you get to express the different archetypes and look at them and, and so forth and so on. I've actually got the archetype cards by Carolyn Miss or Mass. Oh, that's so funny. I only mentioned them to someone earlier. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I've got them <laughs> I just really recommended them so about an hour before this call. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had them for ages. They're awesome. I used to do a lot of archetype work too. Um, and yeah, I... I and, and, and also adding to that, I think looking back to when you were a child, I mean, of course, um, for some of us, we never may, we may never have got to really express it, but from what I've seen of kids, there's definitely clues in, in how you used to express your gifts, mm. even if it was for a short amount of time, but there are definitely clues in what you were good at back, back then, um, before you just, we decided to concrete over. 
Um, so yeah, I think that's a really good place for us to close. I was going to say stop, finish, but close seemed like the right word. Mm. <laughs> um, and one thing I wanted to ask is, and, and I guess maybe it will change over time, but for now, what are you giving yourself the chance to do more of? This, um, this is going to sound like a really kind of cliched answer, but it's so in alignment with what we've just been talking about. I'm giving myself a chance to be more of myself. Hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's quite an a conscious um, invitation and inquiry that I live in. Yeah, I really do recognize. In fact, literally, I, did, uh, I have a practice of writing for self-inquiry every day where I'll take a question and just free flow write. And um, I ended up down this sort of funny little path in the woods, <laughs> it, it, uh, metaphorically speaking, where I was kind of noticing like, how much of myself I'm able to bring to each moment. And in that moment, it felt like I was, you know, pretty much there and then in other moments I realized you know I'm really not and um so this is something I'm kind of really aware of and really noticing how it feels when I'm not able to be fully myself and so that's really you know going back to your question that for me is is really where it all all rests in Hmm. yeah giving myself the opportunity to be more of myself and when you say myself (laughs) who is that (laughs) <laughs> well again that's a, that's a uh, I think that's going to be a question that I could, I'm going to spend a lifetime answering but mm. I think it goes back to the topic of this show the show that that's my soul mm. Mm. lovely well thank you so much Leanne now if someone wants to get hold of you talk to you or even join one of your women's circles how can they do that the best place for all of it is our website, um, which is going to shortly go through a uh, redesign, rebrand, relaunch. But at the moment, it's, it's still all there and works. It says primalhappiness.co, that's co dot, like co rather than com or dot co dot uk. And there's, there's our uh, weekly podcast there. Um, we also have a free Facebook group. Um, we've got women's and men's circles starting um, next year um one-to-one coaching we also do couples coachings but it's it's all there so it's kind of something for everyone if it's something you just want to kind of take a dip in this direction um you know I also do Facebook lives there's there's lots and lots there and um yeah probably something to suit anyone well thank you so much Leanne it's been such a pleasure oh you're so welcome it's really what a a gorgeous conversation to have yeah I know (laughs) thank you And uh, I hope everybody that is listening in today enjoyed it as much as I did. So until the next time, bye-bye for now. And there you have it, another wonderful episode of The Joy of Being. If you loved what you heard here today and it's been helpful, why not subscribe or share the podcast with others? And if you're curious as to how you can experience more joy in your life and feel carefree, then I invite you to download your Joy Catalyst Scorecard at www.marinapearson.com slash scorecard, which will help you identify the joy gaps and what you can do to fill them. And remember, you can find me on Instagram at Marina Pearson or my Facebook group, The Joy of Being. So until next week's episode, remember, you are the joy you seek. <laughs> <laughs>